Hello and welcome to the Forward Unto Dawn podcast, the show about the story and universe of the Halo franchise. This is episode number 37. I'm David and I'm joined by co-host Danny. Hi, Leo. And our guest today is Penn's Halo. Hey, thanks for having me. This episode, we're going to talk about the latest Halo novel, uh, which is Troy Denning's Shadow of Reach, Shadows of Reach, uh, released October 2020. So Denning, in case you haven't noticed this is as we were talking about the pre-show like the 32nd halo novel and there's a lot of halo novels now uh and this is denning's fifth contribution i believe fifth or sixth uh and so since uh last year's oblivion he's basically the most uh prolific halo author at this point um and i think a key element of that in this book and his others is like this denning verse uh with characters that are popping up in all of them um so if you're a fan of denning's work you you see a lot of the the same people popping up uh, and there's there's sort of a an overall arc being built throughout all his stuff now before we get into like the spoilery blow by blow for this pens what were your overall thoughts on the book i thought it was uh well, I really enjoy Denning. I like his take on the characters. I love how he writes Blue Team and their interactions. Um, he does give that feel of them being a family. And I liked I liked how it actually had a lot of tie-ins to the fall of Reach. Um, it wasn't – there were enough small callbacks there that it made me just appreciate it and the effort that it took to actually put those in. Um one in particular really resonated with me. Um, we can talk about that one later, but I really enjoyed it. Um, there were some surprises in there, definitely, uh, with some of the characters we saw. And I don't know if I'd call it a MacGuffin, but it, it well, we can kind of save it, I guess. But it just the, the way the storylines you thought were all going in one direction and all of a sudden they split. Yeah, no, I think we're we're going to get into it but i definitely think uh his i think this is yeah this is like his fifth halo book um yeah, and he's definitely fifth. got certain certain denning verse tropes at this point and i think the macguffin is definitely one of them uh, and which we'll talk about the inciting incidents for this entire uh book um but I, it's interesting you mentioned that you think of it as a sequel to the fall of reach i think of it more as a sequel to the first strike but i think this is definitely a book. There are books that are sort of sequels to themselves. There are books that are standalone. And then there are the Halo novels that feel like they're sort of tying a bunch of threads together. Um, like I would consider Silentium, that kind of book, because it ended the Forerunner trilogy, but it also tied a whole lot into... To At the time, I was like, if the Halo universe ended with this book, I'd be happy, because it tied up a whole bunch of stuff and like bridged a lot of things. And... Um, I'd say a similar book was uh, Halo Renegades because it tied up a lot of loose ends that we've had since Primordium, stuff like that, uh, different franchises, um, and and sort of brought them up to date. And we sort of get a similar thing here uh, where Denning, he's tying up plot threads from his own books, but there's stuff from First Strike, as you say. There's stuff from uh, Fall of Reach, and it all... Um, it's nice because these books uh, don't ideally don't exist in their own vacuum. And when they touch on things from other authors, um, it makes it feel a lot more rich thematically, I think. 
Yeah, and and um, I, I guess the reason I I look at it, Fall of Reach is my favorite Halo novel. Period. End of story. First Strike is really great too. It's just that First Strike and Fall of Reach I've always thought were they could have been one novel, just kind of mm-hmm. they were just split into two. So I, I see what you mean by uh, it being kind of more of a sequel to um, First Strike. Um, there, but I can, like I said, those two are to me seem so intertwined. Those first two by Nyland that uh, Shadow of, Shadows of Reach kind of ties to both of them, at least in my mind. Well, I think you're you're definitely right. I think thematically, it's definitely tying more to because this is Blue Team going back to Reach. Um, and John's feelings about it. And that definitely ties more into the fall of reach. But as you say, they could be one book because reach barely falls in the fall of reach. (laughs) Uh, You get mostly of that stuff is all in the beginning of first strike. Um, So it is kind of, they are very much uh, two books that go together really well. And that follows up on both of them. So want to dig into it then? Sure. Yeah. Spoilers. Ahoy. All right, so this this whole thing starts uh, October twenty five fifty nine, uh, one year after Halo Five, which they helpfully tell us right up. Um, and so we've got Blue Team; they're back on Reach for a special mission in a stealth Pelican, an Owl. So that's new. Um, and they set everything out pretty quickly that they're on a mission to find the ruins of Castle Base, uh, which was pretty much leveled by the Covenant in First Strike, uh, and they're going to get some special stuff Halsey left behind you can correct me if I'm wrong but do they actually ever explicitly say what they're getting in this book no um I don't don't think they actually ever do um in at no point do they actually explicitly say oh they're going to get x and even at the end they don't really say they kind of hint about it although I think that that hint is more for the people who are more deeply into the lore uh, mm-hmm. of it. Um, but the fact that it's kind of left of a, as a mystery to most readers, I think, is actually kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. It, but they it never was, really do. Yeah. And it's weird because, like you say, for for deep lore people, you absolutely know pretty much, I think, from the get-go, uh, at least the hardcore fans, definitely know what this is almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we were saying, tying into to old threads, this is tying into Halsey's journal, the uh, the bit that came with the limited edition of Reach. Um, and I will strut my, my peacock feathers and point out that I totally called this. Uh, we have a piece written uh, in 2017 called Hope for Halsey, where I talk about like, well, like, what do you do with a character like Halsey who can't like be redeemed um, in, a, in the the usual way because she kind of already saved the universe uh and one of the things i pointed out is she's got like these these forgotten extra clones from the batch that made cortana like they're just lying around what are you going to do with those uh and that seems 99 percent certain what blue team went to recover because they talk about getting some cryo bins so it's probably the flash coned remains of halsey's weird sister daughter things yeah. Uh, that were used to make Hall, uh, Cortana. Yeah, she made 12 of those, if I remember right. Uh, I don't I, remember I, what I think the... that's what they were, but the number's kind of irrelevant, but there's definitely more than one left. I want to say that there were seven that were viable at the end, but who uh, okay. knows? I could be confusing my 
my halos with, <laughs> with Halsey clones at this point. But either way, uh, yeah, yeah, and that that seems to be the the obvious thing. But it's it's interesting that, like you say, they don't make that apparent to people who are just casual. We just know it's going to be a thing that's important. So I'm not sure. It'll be interesting. I guess we'll talk about where stuff goes from here at the end. But it's interesting yeah. that they they maybe they're saving that for something else. Um, but it was a, a nice deep lore cut because I'm I'm personally of the opinion that the Halsey's journal is the best part of Halo Reach, uh, <laughs> so I'm happy to see more stuff getting pulled from that. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you. I would actually argue that Halsey's journal is probably the best piece of Halo uh, lore out there. Which is why shout out to Dust Storm on Pontacular. They've mm-hmm. got uh, the peanut gallery always asking when he's going to do that. <laughs> Yes, and I'm the one who actually leads that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and on that note, I think this book is really interesting in that it treats Reach as a character more than Halo Reach the game did. There's a whole lot more geography and time spent talking about parts of Reach, whereas before you had Nylon's locations in the Fall of Reach and First Strike. And then you had the stuff in Halo Reach and they didn't really connect and like the geography was not super clear and it mostly all took place on this one continent part and we didn't know everything. But this actually spends a lot of time. I think it's kind of pointless if you don't particularly care about that. But if you do, like this gives you a huge amount of geographical information about Reach we just didn't get before. Um, I guess was sitting in some lore book somewhere, just dump of facts of Reach and uh, Denning just went and ran with that, um, which is, I appreciate. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think I, I hadn't quite thought of it in that way, as you put it, that it was an actual character, but it makes sense because the Spartan twos never really had a quote, you know, they don't remember home, not really, but so reach always was their home. Um, and one early on as chief is prepping, uh, in that first chapter where he's, you hear he's reminiscing about reach and on top of everything that happened prior in halo four and five, but you could tell it means something to him. And in some ways it's nice to see that development of him where, I mean, the end of halo four, when he's standing alone on the, uh, on the observation deck of infinity. And he says, she said that to me once about being a machine. Um, talking about Cortana and um, trying to figure out which one was human, which one was the machine. It's nice to see that aspect coming out of chief. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I think Denning actually writes that really well. Yeah. And I think thematically this is Denning really, because uh, he's covered a blue team in pieces uh, before. And, but most of the stuff he's done recently, Silent Storm and Oblivion are, early chief um and so this is really denning's first crack at uh modern uh chief and he definitely puts him in a much more reflective mood which i think makes sense because he's been in a much more reflective mood in halo 5 Mm -hmm. like he gets uh as you say he gets a character moment early on while they're they're getting to the into position um where he's like hey if i had the time uh he'd like to know how the colonists were doing on this planet because we learn that um, for like about the past two years, their reach has been resettled um, 
by humans in Epos, um, and there's conflict between them and scavengers. And at the time, uh, Chief's like, well, too bad we won't have a chance to see how they're doing. Spoiler, he will get that chance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's he's definitely, uh, throughout this book, actually, he gets a lot more reflective times that shade him in. Uh, one thing I, I noticed is that um, throughout, one thing that's been pretty consistent from Nylon to Denning um, and on is that Chief is A-OK being a child soldier. Um, he's like, well, like Halsey did kind of like kidnapping and stuff, but she made me, I couldn't have been this otherwise. And he's he's totally fine with that. Whereas other Spartans, we've gotten much more mixed negative reactions. Um, he's totally A-OK with it. Um, but in this book through a lot of characters we see we have him really reflecting more on his legacy than i think we have before and he gets a point where uh they're talking about these settlers and the the potential that they're gonna basically have to have their kids fight and he's a-okay being a child soldier he is not a-okay with having other kids be child soldiers right um which was an interesting uh a bit and we definitely get a a similar amount of uh, reflection in a different way. Uh, that's very different befittingly of the character that we'll talk about later with uh, Halsey. But yeah, uh, this, I would say this book, like it, it makes reach a character and it also treats the fall of the fallen reach as a character. And uh, I, I was thinking while we we're doing this, like, man, we should be like kind of giving out like awards to each book as we go of just like things and like this if there was the as the humans say award for like <laughs> term or like concept or line most hammered to the point of excessiveness in a book <laughs> uh for this one it's let me try to do it let's a tearly right is my my best uh oh yeah attempt at the uh let's a tearly right i'll say it a couple times but uh that's the the uh, molten glassy silicate material that's left basically covering everything um, after the covenant glass to reach and man that word gets used a lot <laughs> it's precise but it gets used a lot yeah it does and I, I'll admit I stumbled over that one a few times before I try to figure it out your pronunciation is better than what I came up with so oh yes um, I'm very very utterly foolish and bored listening and reading to descriptions of boring generic glassy areas ever since glasslands and this book gave me horrible horrible flashbacks to barren wastelands full of smoke and and misery yeah well the, along with that there's a lot of hungarian in this because it's reach and they established that reach has a bunch of hungarian descended settlers so i was i was reaching for the pronunciation for a lot of these <laughs> things and i'm going to try my best because that's the downside of not doing these via audiobooks. Uh, like I was going through, we got through the entire thing of uh, Halo Renegades with me saying uh, Rion instead of Ryan because I hadn't heard it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, of course, it's short for Orion. How did I do that? It's That's the downside of not using the audiobooks. But uh, so we're, we're going to, you're going to hear some questionable things. I'm sorry, listeners, <laughs> but I tried my best. So yeah, that word gets used a lot, a little too much, but. I think overall the description of the Glasslands, basically, I think aside from the return, a short story in Halo Evolutions and some stuff from uh, Karen and Travis's Kilo 5 trilogy, we don't get a lot of ideas of what it's like being on a glass planet. And this 
makes it really interesting because it's not you just think oh well everything's burnt to cinder and there's like glass on top um and this is one of the first times where they i think denning put a lot of effort into like understanding geology uh mm-hmm. and that's why there's let's deteriorate in this uh but it generally pays off because it gives a much more interesting thing that actually ties into the plot of like how it basically cooled this molten surface cooled from the top down so there's like these weird hazards where there's glass and but everything underneath it is hollow um there's it's still misty and cloudy from all the the atmosphere of like the oceans that boiled up and now it's still in the atmosphere it's really cool and i like it and even though we don't like exactly go back to some locations um we do in certain instances uh i like it i think it's a much better attempt at the same thing that uh hunters in the dark did where we returned to the ark but unfortunately like it generally didn't feel like we were on the same place because we didn't have the land posts but um denning does a really great job of that i think here yeah he does so of course things don't go to plan uh, and so they, they quickly find out um, on their way to the drop site that they, they have sh- seraphs approaching and they're brutes. Oh, no. Um, and we get a bit here that sets up the the post-created world, which is useful, um, especially since we're having such a time jump um, from Halo 5 to Infinite. Uh, the, and they give us a lot, I think, teased through uh, throughout the book, which is really great, that basically, like, the solution to Cortana right now is you run like hell and that mm-hmm. everyone's kind of trying to do this. Like, let's just keep things quiet and like low grade warfare. So that way she doesn't notice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is a fun thing. And the, they give the the line is the Pax Cortana. Um, there's also a, a uh, Harry Potter and the deadly hallows mechanic where everyone's like, maybe don't say Cortana in case she's listening, <laughs> which is, it's funny, but also it, it ties in, I think, really well with the stuff they established in Hunt the Truth, where, yeah, people are paranoid because, I mean, the UNSC had people listening everywhere. Uh, and uh, we also get... Denning's really the, the first person to do stuff with the Spartans onboard computers. Um, oh, yeah. Which I think was kind of weird in Silent Storm just because we didn't have that stuff before. But it's interesting here that he mentions, like, yeah, it's it's not as good because now we're using dumb AIs rather than the smart ones, uh, which unfortunately leads to the question that is not answered in this book. What the hell happened to Roland? Yeah, that's that's true. It's like as I was reading through it, I'm like, something doesn't seem right here. I'm like, I oh, mean, Roland. Yeah, I, I hope nothing happened to him. I can't remember. I mean, I don't know if he would be near his expiration date i don't think so but no uh, because he's um as established i don't know if it was particularly established originally but he's basically pre-spartan ops post halo 4 so he's he's middle age at best yeah um he's not anywhere close to retirement um and i hope they don't just lose him and like i know people were freaking out when they saw the 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 walmart exclusive short story being called sacrifice like don't you kill roland no um (laughs) But at this point, it's just unclear what's happening. And I, I hope that we do get something of him in Infinite or something else because they did a good job between um, Frank O'Connor's Saint's testimony and Halo 5 with oh, yeah. being one of the few AIs who didn't defect. Like, 
I like Roland. He's fun. Um, he's got a character, and I think he has something useful to say in where they're going with the plot. Oh yeah, definitely. I, Roland definitely is a is is great. He's he reminds me a little bit of Serena from Halo Wars, just mm-hmm. not as sarcastic. But yeah, he's sort of like on the the spectrum of Cortana. So Serena, he's maybe somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah, something in that. He's area. not as uh, he's not as sardonic, but he's still a little witty. Oh yeah, but let's just hope that they don't kill him off screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's always the always the the concern. Or like in the first two seconds of uh, just don't jewel him, dama him, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give him a mission. Give him two missions, please. Yeah. Um. And so Chief uh, is recalling the last time an insertion went to plan, which we get uh, apparently was 2550. Uh, and here's a little Denning verse uh, touch is that when they went to capture Hector Nieto, um, who came up, he was the uh, the bad boy in Silent Storm. Um, and Last Light was mentioned. He was hiding out on Gao. And like we were saying, this is an older Chief. He gets, uh, throughout this, he's getting a little crotchety. Uh, he gets a little paternalistic with the youngins. <laughs> Especially chop off. I wouldn't say it feels. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's necessarily feels out of character. It's just definitely a different shade of character that we haven't seen with him as much. Um, and we get some action stuff, and so it's uh, we've got blue team, um, and then we've got Chapoff, who's the the young hotshot pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, Ben Hoot, who's the old grizzled old veteran. Um. And, and then, then uh, what's her name? Um the the uh crew chief. Um Yeah, where's that? Okay. Mokai? Makai Makai? I think that's what That sounds about right. Yeah. We'll fix it later. Um <laughs> Yeah, and so they I'm not a it's the action stuff I wrote in my notes several times. Action stuff happens. It's not what I'm interested in. I know that's where I'm weird. Uh, and I don't think, I think if you're going for the, the technical action sequence stuff, that is where Nyland still is king. Um, oh, yeah. But I, I think Denning, they're serviceable for, I know you can't make a Halo book without them. And he does, mm-hmm. we'll get to him later, but he does some nice inversions of what you usually get. Um, I think the the interesting thing here is, of course, they're forced to crash land surprisingly they don't kill the grizzled old veteran who does the <laughs> i'm standby chief i'm gonna pull this thing i don't have time to explain uh but they actually get him out uh when they crash which i was like oh that's not what i expected to happen um <laughs> and uh so they have to like fight off some uh brutes and we get our our infinite tie-ins uh so you know that this is like setting things up so we got the ma-40 assault rifle Although at one point someone's mentioned of having a a classic MA5B, uh, so I'm like, I think that was the crew chief. No, yeah, that, that was the Pelican crew. They had that because it's shorter. If yeah, I remember so it's correctly. got the bullpup, and um, later on there's MA37s from Reach. Uh, we get brute marauders, uh, which is a new type of vehicle, which I think is probably going to show up in Infinite because they spent a lot of time on them. Uh, there's grievers, they're bombers that come up later. I don't know if those will show up in Infinite. There's manglers, they're a new weapon, probably going to show up in Infinite. Um, other stuff returns, like the M45E is from Halo 5, yeah. maybe even Halo 4. 
uh, and the grapple shot is the the big thing at several times uh, we get to see grapple shotting. So that's how you know this is tying into Halo Infinite. <laughs> we got these things, and they they I like that they they shade the brutes. Uh, we're gonna find out yeah. pretty quickly that it's banished, uh, but they're they have a little bit where Chief's like, well. The keeper, the keepers of the one freedom, which are the denning brutes, basically, uh, are more organized. The banished are more competitive, as we're going to find out. That was um, actually one of the big surprises that that threw me a bit. I mean, you knew that they were going to have. It was probably going to be some brute, but considering we are talking the denning verse, you always thought they were going to be keepers. That mm-hmm. the fact that the keepers joined up with the banished, or at least the sect that was left in the Orion arm. Um, that was, that was actually a pretty big surprise because the way, you know, the keepers were very much old covenant religion mm-hmm. and the banished are not. And it's just yeah. interesting. It, it, it's more along the lines of a, uh, like a, a necessity mm-hmm. for the, for them to be able to. Yeah. They're allies of convenience. Yes. As it turns yeah. out. Um, and I definitely, I I wish there was more, uh, banished keeper stuff in here. Um, but like, like I was saying earlier, this is like a tie-up book. It actually kind of wraps up some of those threads from Denning stuff. Um, which is it's a nice touch. Uh, the only other notes I had for this section, uh, besides like Fred uses the drills they brought as AA guns and they freak him <laughs> out, which is fun. They extract everyone from the crash. Uh, apparently I don't remember if, uh, they've mentioned before, but that, uh, the seraphs have self mending halls, which I don't know if it was a new detail, but it was definitely something that caught my eye. They mentioned like the self healing hole hall is trying to fix the fact that it's been busted beyond repair. Um, which was interesting. Nanites. Yeah, nanites. Actually, and they, they mentioned later on for the Gen 3 armor that they have self-repairing armor for them, too. So nanites, man. Nanites. Wow. Well, to be fair, the the nanites were first, at least officially introduced, if I remember correctly, in um, Mortal, Mortal Dictata, I think. It anyway. might have even been as early as Glasslands. Yeah, actually they had Mark was. 7, yeah. which that's... I'm, they haven't, I don't think, given us the lore tidbit about why Mark Seven went away. But uh, <laughs> Nanites, they came up there. Um, but yeah, it's like you said, this is the return of Castor, the the leader of the, the true believer of the keepers of the One Freedom. Um, and so here he's, he's uh, leading his friends with the Banished, basically. Um, and I like that he's, he gets, I think, one of the, great things denning does um and this feels like oblivion in certain ways because also in oblivion you had smart covenant and smart humans but they spend a lot of the time not as much as in oblivion just totally being in the dark about each other's motives um and i like that like he he pretty quickly like sherlock holmes deduces the fact that all right this is some spec ops team of humans. What are they after? And he makes the assumption, well, they're after what we're after. And the humans make the assumption, well, the banished are after what we're after. Um, and eventually it comes out that that's not true at all. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's, it's nice to have them kind of like figuring things out. Um, and it's nice where it never, I think if in the hands of a worse writer, 
it would be frustrating because usually it's frustrating when the characters don't know what we know and it makes them look like idiots. But I think that Denning does a really good job of, of making it believable and making it part of the suspense instead of an annoyance. Yeah, I think uh, just uh, the way that the presentation of the interaction um, and then also the fact that there was a former Sanghealy blade master kind of attached to the keepers is mm-hmm. kind of a watchdog, I guess is mm-hmm. the only way I would kind of describe it. Yeah, uh, and that was interesting too. Yeah, so and, it, and that's that, uh, that interaction was really, really interesting from a politics standpoint. Yeah, I think that was one of my favorite character pairings. So we got Caster, uh, we get a couple other people, maybe not important uh, for this book or later on, but they they make their presence here. There's um, Orson, who was, uh, he died in Retribution, but he was he was Caster's buddy, uh, his kids uh, there. He's the young hotshot brute. There's a lot of young hotshots in this one, uh, Krellis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, the Blade Master, like you mentioned, who was a former Silent Shadow guy, so Denningverse. Um, he's just sort of uh overseer of Castor. Uh, he's Ishlan Gagudai, or something like that. Um, yeah, God Gagudai. Yeah, I think it's probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, to something like that. It. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's employed by Asharam, who Halo Infinite, possible big bad, and we'll get into this I guess later at the end of the book. We'll talk about what this means for Infinite. Um, but yeah, so the keepers are a wary ally of the banished and basically at this it starts there's sort of low-key fighting between them um so there's uh two other brutes um the Ducellium and ballas packs um but those are their leaders um we get a time frame that basically six months ago is when they they joined up um and like you said there's an interesting interaction because the the keepers are true believers um well and so they're like well working with these heretics whatever um and uh the interesting thing for them in the post cortana world is they they call cortana the apparition and basically just see her as like this blasphemer uh yeah blasphemer or serper yeah um and especially to to them uh she's sort of the boogeyman <laughs> yeah so it, it's a nice part. And another, so we know... Another Harry Potter, Voldemort reference kind of a thing. <laughs> you know, everyone's afraid of saying it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, they're they're ex-covenant, basically. So of course they're going to be more poetic. That's that's part of their thing. Um, and so Asharam, uh, he's been... He was basically put in charge of the Banished while Atriox peaced out on his, his special mission, which we know from Halo Wars 2 is the Ark. Um, and I like that they, this sort of dichotomy of the brutes, they're fighting external threats, but they're also fighting each other. And I like that, especially because that ties into, uh, if you believe it, we've caught up to the return from Halo Evolutions, which took place, uh, in 2559 at the same time. And they mention mm-hmm. the elite mentions that the brutes are basically all fighting amongst each other still, and they regressed, um, didn't mention the Banished, but obviously he couldn't because the Banished hadn't been invented yet. Um, but it's a nice little touch-in. And while the humans are after the MacGuffin that is never mentioned but is totally cloned, Halsey brains, uh, the the Banished are on reach for a foreigner slip space portal uh, because Atriox made contact months ago 
Um, so the time frame works out that this is basically uh, March to June, uh, twenty five fifty nine was the events of Halo Wars and the DLC. So obviously, after the events of Waking the Nightmare, uh, he's still alive, still fighting. Um, and Atriox says that they found the Forerunner crystals from Halo First Strike, uh, which, if we also found out uh, from Renegades, were pieces of the Forerunner crystals that were used for slip space. So they're like slip space flakes, basically, from uh, yeah. chipped off of a mother crystal. And so Atriox found these. Apparently, they were still on Truth's key ship the entire time. Uh, and we get details later on. We'll talk about the bonus story tying into that. Um, and we also get what I feel is sort of like the like soft massaging slash retcon of the great journey in that uh, Castor mentions at one point the psalm of the journey where the infidels are consigned to oblivion when the great journey happens. And it sounds much... It's treated much more as like, well, we all die, but the worthy are propelled to salvation. So it makes it, I guess, a little, because there's always been that concern with people like, well, the Halo 3 truth like doesn't make any sense. What's he talking about? Like he, he must know the rings are going to blow up everybody. Um, and I think this, this sort of helps make that make more sense why they would, the covenant would still try and light the rings, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Although you have to remember, Truth actually held a lot of that stuff very close to his chest. So I always took the Keepers as they were the faithful, and, but they didn't have... Didn't have any... Didn't have full knowledge. Political knowledge, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's still up in the air, exactly, because we, we found out from uh, Awaking the Nightmare, for instance, that there's, like, rumors of, like, well, there was a flood at the... was on the Ark or stuff, but it seems... Actually, that the the covenant overall, the ex client covenant species, know less about what happened than even uh, the UNSC in some respects. So it's interesting what what knowledge of the war is is out there, and um, obviously the keepers of the one freedom don't care because right. <laughs> they're true believers. Um, yeah. So they're they're working with the uh, the other packs, which are called the Legion of Corpse Moon and uh, Ravaged Tusks. So the banished are metal as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're shredding there on their guitars with like <laughs> I just pictured the, the text in like crazy barely readable angular crazy overwrought font like they're a black metal band yeah logos like the old 80s uh, metal bands mm-hmm. so and uh, a caster continues to be the best brute because he treats his grunts like normal people like well and He's like, wow, surprised they're so much better in combat because I don't treat them like crap. You mean he <laughs> something doesn't the pump banished... them and use them as bombs? Yeah, the, the, the banished could learn something, but probably not going to. Nope. Yeah, and like the, the this entire thing is setting up like the everybody's smart but wrong denning trope. Uh, mm-hmm. And so Caster's wrong about Blue Team's intentions, uh, thinks they're there to stop him, and that sort of sets up this evolving combat. And unfortunately, we don't get a lot from caster in this entire book he just pops up periodically um but it it sets up the conflict and and the misunderstanding well i think we get more of like i said just the general politics 
mm-hmm. maybe lack of a better term of of the banished and you know that really it is Atriox that holds them together because I, I, I honestly knowing what we know about Atriox, I can't see the Legion and Ravage Tusks fighting like that if he was actually present. Yeah, and that that'll come up later, but it's definitely yeah. uh something they they mention and just one other thing about this part uh, at least the previous part where we were talking about blue team what i also liked was um you got a little bit more personality from linda fred and kelly Mm -hmm. Uh, you know so that was also really cool yeah we'll talk a little more about that um and you're right i definitely think they 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 make Atriox out to be the unifying force. The other thing, which I know has gotten the Halo lore people all Twitter, is that the, obviously the Keepers were pretty, like, if you're a true believer, you're a true believer. And they mention here, or here or a little bit later, uh, there's a reference which I totally missed until the very end of this book. And I went like, wait, no, uh, <laughs> with some of the humans in his group, which I was like, wait, what? Um but that uh, he's basically shooing them all away because uh, the, like the banished are not human friendly, and people were like "wow," because at one point they had sort of said that the banished were were more magnanimous than that, and here they make it like Atriox is uh, just a regular old Covenant era human hater. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did get that feel for it. And I mean, there's there's. I can see where people think it's just sort of retcon. I can also see where after he got his butt stomped by the spirit of fire, he's less down on humans in general. Um, I think the yeah he's missing a chance because as the the keepers later note, like having a human when you're trying to like get foreign or stuff is pretty dang useful. Um, but I guess Atriox doesn't particularly need the humans in good shape for that. Uh, if he wanted to, um. I mean, I can see where people are upset. It's it's a quibble, I think. It doesn't really impact it much for me. No, yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. It's something that you read, and it, was, it kind of struck me as a little odd, but it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. Um, I don't think it's anything, like, breaking or anything of that nature at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was just interesting that they're going that route. Yeah, and I think the the bigger thing that people are are talking about is that this is basically a conceit so they don't have to explain why you aren't fighting human enemies in the games, which I was a thing. It was it was pretty painful how they avoided it in Halo Two, and I think even three four three is kind of gun shy about having human enemies, which is understandable. I also don't think mm-hmm. you need if that was the concern, you don't need to explain why there aren't humans that you're fighting. Just say they're like off in another part of the ring, whatever. Same way how we weren't fighting brutes sometimes, and then brutes were always there. Um, But, yeah. So, Chief and Company, uh, special team, as they're they're called, Chief and the the flight crew and everybody else with their drills, head across the Glasslands. Uh, They see the brutes are fighting each other, um, and they they decide, well, we're not going to make it on foot, so we need to get steal some wheels. uh, Or wings whatever you would say grab whatever um and uh they, they're sort of wondering 
at this point, uh, the, the special team asks, like, how do you know we're not being led into a trap? Uh, and they're questioning Halsey, and uh, Blue Team defends her. But it's definitely, if you're on that team, the answer you want, want to hear from your question of, like, wait, is it true that she was collaborating with the enemy is not, it's complicated. Right. <laughs> like, not exactly what you want to hear. Um, and I, I like that. Blue team trusts Halsey, but they also know her well enough. And like, I mean, she wouldn't betray us, but she could also have her own goals and she's just not telling us. Um, I, I like that dynamic that they know she's not really going to screw them, but they could get shafted just by like what she's not telling them, et cetera. Well, I mean, she still sees the Spartan twos as her children. Um, I think, um, for all of its faults, the end of Halo Five, the when, <clears throat> excuse me, when uh, John and you know Cort- and uh, Halsey meet for the first time, you could tell that she was it was something she was looking forward to, and she it, it that she had feelings there as as in a, in a paternal way. But she's yeah, also yeah. I, I think there were people who kind of complained about that, but I, I think that's definitely an example where the took you long enough thing. Like I can see where that'd be flippant, but luckily the, the facial capture technology has gotten so good that you can, you can read what she's saying. Like, yeah, she's being flippant, but it's obviously an emotional time for her finally being the chief after so long and thinking he was dead uh, in Halo four and stuff um, right. and, and falling through Spartan ops. And also, um, I think they also know that, uh, you know, they know that it's, that, that there's a mission that has to be, it has to be done. So, you know, there's compart- compartmentalization of information and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't always have to understand why you're being told <laughs> to do something. It's just yeah, important that you they're do soldiers. it. soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they, they put them off, but they're, they're going to they have this new plan. Um, and so they, they, they go on to initiate this plan of like sneaking up on this former settler base where everyone's suspiciously left and the banished are just fighting over what's left. Um, and they, uh, just start, they discover that there are these tunnels underneath the glass. Um, and they, they get one of the things I appreciate about this book that I don't think a lot of the other books do is the Spartans blue team gets beaten the hell up. Um, Oh yeah. And it actually even becomes a point later on where chief notes that like most of these people haven't seen Spartans and they've never seen them like actually damaged. They've, They've sort of bought into like this mythical and invincible feeling. And and here everyone gets roughed up. Uh, They kind of like get some super healing to gloss it over because you still got to have a book with Spartans doing Spartan stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they get they get wrecked um, and they basically have to flee into these these tunnels they find uh, because, yeah, their their plan wasn't going to work. We get. uh, We get a mention. that uh the we get the auto repair nanites coming up uh with gen three armor that they're wearing so this is the the stuff that they're going to have in infinite uh they don't have thrusters which is an interesting bit a little Um, disappointing but yeah yeah well I, i i don't know if it's just one of those things where it's like it's Jurassic Park level, like, let's ignore continuity for the sake of a set piece, because the mm-hmm. lack of thrusters really comes into the very end of this book. Maybe they still have them. Um, it's just whatever reason. Maybe they were damaged and they never brought it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can come yeah. up with some explanations. 
Um, and and let's see, Chief had a leg wound. Linda mm-hmm. had an arm broken. Fred got his bell rung. Yeah, and badly. so we, we get uh, the 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 running joke throughout this this part of the book going on is like Fred's concussed humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you want more goofy Fred, if you had forgotten that Denning is the guy who had a another person ride Fred like it was a slalom, uh, <laughs> they also bring you uh, someone literally standing on Chief at later points, uh, and and goofy concussed Fred. So there's there's levity in here, yeah. Um, just kind of the, comical situations. Was Linda injured? I don't think she was. Not in this uh, part. I I believe Linda. Oh, Honestly, here's where I say even now I get Linda and Kelly confused. Besides, one's the fast one and one's the the, the sniper. Sniper, yeah. One of the I believe Linda's the only one left, like mostly operable yeah. by the end of this, um, which is fine because she got like left basically dead at the end of Fall of Reach. So she deserves deserves some time to not get terribly horribly injured. Very true. Um. Yeah, and uh. There's actually uh, an interesting bit here um, in this action scene that I I think was a purposeful callback to Fall of Reach, where basically uh, Chief punches a banshee out of the way, um, <laughs> which I I really liked. It's callback to like the time he punched a missile uh, during oh, yeah. the Mark V trial runs. Um, but they end up in the tunnels and they come face to face with surprise the colonists. Uh, and really the two ones we have to know about are, uh, Sasha Baldassar and Erdi, um, who are basically the, the two main people. Um, and they're sort of detonating the tunnels behind them as they run. So blue team and special team or part of blue team and special team are, are separated for a brief period. Um, and yeah, Fred has this little concussion goofball stuff. Um, the nice point here is that uh they pretty much assume that blue team the spartans are there along with the unsc to help them liberate this world um and one of the weird things it's sort of a quibble uh that i i had in my notes until the very end of the book basically like why do the do the colonists know what's going on and it turns out they do know about cortana but it never comes up for most of this book which felt a little weird, but I guess they're like, basically we're doing our own thing, whatever. Uh, well, like unless, unless yeah. the UNSC is going to come and save our bacon, we don't really care. Well, I think it was, um, honestly, I think it's the idea that Cortana doesn't have any use for reach. Not at this point. And as long as they didn't, you know, attract attention, trying to make it livable again, as long as they don't make any waves, you know, okay, fine. You know, just, you know, we're going to be here to do our stuff. We won't, we won't bother anybody. So don't bother us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of the way that they're approaching it. And I, the, the through line obviously is like, they don't want to lose what they've come for. They're, they're there because they, they believe in reach. Uh, like one guy lays out a line about like, Basically, my family would never forgive me if I wasn't buried here because everyone else is. Um, it's once again like I don't think you got like briefest touches of that human thing in 
uh, reach, but I don't think it was really that effective. It was more annoying. Like if I accidentally shot a civilian, I had a quick fail <laughs> kind of right. thing. Uh, they did more of it, I think, in the, the ad campaigns, mm-hmm. uh, the Remember Reach stuff than they did in the game proper. So it's nice to have it uh, come up in this way. Um, and well, they even mentioned... I'm sorry. I think it also gives life to reach as a planet as well, because there's Mm -hmm. people who are struggling to bring life back to it. And it, it adds in a way it kind of amplifies the humanity that you're starting to see chief show. And I mean, I don't, and you probably have it in your notes, but it's this whole section is chief knows what his mission is, but, Mm -hmm. and so does blue team all of them want to help. And it's really like they're trying to, they end up figuring out how to do both. Yes. Uh, because so they're happy ending there. And they can do that. Yeah. But it's definitely a running thing of like, well, at some point, like we're going to have to end in this early on chief doesn't like lead him on. Really. He like pulls balls there aside. And like when it's not going to like crush everyone else and says, all right, like, but you know, like we didn't come here for you. Like I feel bad, but like we got our mission um, and there's going to be haggling later. Um, and, uh, at this point, uh, we do cut back to, to Castor and it's the last time we'll see him for a while, but we get this great, uh, parlay between him and the other leaders of the brutes, uh, on basically, and this is another great thing that they set up the set piece of they're on this, this basically extruded glass dome where if someone breaks it, they'd all fall to their deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this like mexican standoff kind of like feeling going on and it had a very uh good bad and the ugly yeah last gunfight feel to it (laughs) um and we get this is where we get a really good sort of deepening relationship with uh gagodai and castor because like there's the politics of how everything's going out and like castor's freaking out because gagodai is like don't take your weapon out there it's like but the whole point of this thing is that if I don't have my weapon, I can't break the thing and it's not the mutually assured destruction. Like, but he goes along with it mm-hmm. and there's these back and forth where each side is trying to play the other and like Gagodai and Castor have to like work together to, to pull this through. Um, and it comes out like basically cause he's like, all right guys, we've got to stop fighting cause the humans are here and they're like, no. Uh, and like sort of faced with this intransience, uh, Castor and Gagodai come up with like, wait, like we can just have the rivals find the Spartans for us because they're just going to like get killed by the Spartans. And that's why we can track them and find out where they're going. Um, following the corpses, uh, which is again, like he's a smart brute. He's not dumb. Uh, and I, I, I like that. It's a good plan, which as it turns out, doesn't work, but it's not because Castor's an idiot. Well, I also think that it showed like a. I think there was a respect there that had grown between Castor and Gagadai. Um, you know, because it seems like he wanted Castor to succeed and he yeah. knew what needed to happen, kind of like a long game kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think there's, you're definitely right. It's, it's hard not to draw parallels to the current political situation, but yes. like Castor's like, you know, you're a solid dude. You're going to hell. I'm really terrible about that. But like, you know, we're still going to work together. Uh, but you're going to hell. Um, and at the end, he's like, come on, man. I'm really pulling for you because I don't want you to go to hell. But, you know, it's just being a heretic. 
Uh, but he's a good guy for being a heretic. And Caster's, Caster's willing to work him out. Uh, but they hit on this plan. Um, and meanwhile, the Spartans are getting patched up by uh, Doc uh, Samaji or whatever. Uh, but Samogi, I don't know. Uh, at the separate settler base, which I had to look up too, because, man, there's a lot of umlauts and double uh, accent marks on there. It's Gadulu. Uh It's all Hungarian to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, this was where I noted, like, man, he's, like, really beating up the Spartans, because, like, yeah, as you said, uh, John gets a chunk of his leg taken out. Um, and the doctor's like, wow, you only survived this because your bones are, like, super augmented. And Chief's like, what do you mean super augmented? He's like, okay, yeah, sure, can't mm-hmm. talk about it. It's just a lucky shot, sure. Um, and as far as I know, she doesn't show up again, but we get, once again, like, humanizing the colonists, humanizing Reach. We get, like, mention of her, her sons, Laszlo, and stuff, and that, hey, they could be, they're up in the mountains with a couple old people, like, training, because we lost our transport. There's no way off this rock, so at the end of the day, we're going to have to fight. Um, and uh, Bolidaire is basically the CIC of everything. Um, we learn that she had a reach connection, which is why she's there. Um, everyone's excited about the Spartans, even though they don't realize the truth yet. Uh, and um, this is also where we're introduced to Ditzel, the uh, yes. five-time Tantalus Ten Thousand winner. Yeah, there's there's some nice uh, beats here. I think that. Denning does at, at making things recognizably, but also alien. Like uh, earlier on, we got a mention of the Martian Olympics here. We've got the Tantalus 10,000 dune buggy race. Um, and just as a kind of as a, and opposing, especially to Halo Reach, how everyone hated so the one thing is no one let Cat drive. <laughs> you always want a Dissel to drive. Yeah, I, I, I did actually mention somewhere in here, like, wow, this is like so much. This is redeeming. After cat, like <laughs> yeah. you want the the furious driver, um, and they get they get some good driving antics later on, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And uh, late earlier on, when they're they're talking about the crew chief, I forget what the exact line is, but they they give her like they say something like typical features for a blah blah blah, where it's not like not like an Asian or a Euro- Indo-European mm-hmm. or something, but it's from this planet, which was a nice touch. Like, yeah, that would make sense that like especially as they've established and reach and stuff like some planets are more mono ethnic or descended from that. So they would have just like now people from right. different planets would look similar. So that was a nice mm-hmm. little bit of, of world building. Um, and I guess it makes sense that they would have crazy dune buggy races cause we're still using wheels in the 2500s. Uh, and I also like just that she shows up and oh yeah, she expects everyone to know who she is and like mm-hmm. ask what she's doing there. <laughs> like, I bet you're asking what I'm doing in here. And she's like, uh, what? Uh, but later on, <laughs> you're uh, who again? Chap off is like, Oh my God, it's you. Uh, <laughs> which is really nice. Um, and meanwhile to all this, basically like blue team and, and Linda are in sporadic communication because Linda is with the rest of the, the unaugmented people in the drills doing the, the boring stuff. Uh, and they're following this abandoned aqueduct. Um, and here is the, the only time I can really recall, like, Linda getting straight up angry. Uh, and like you said, like this is tying back to them being on reach. Like Linda just talks about like, she's pissed. Like the covenant did this to the planet. They're going to do it again. Like she comes off as the most upset on the entire team. 
which was nice. And we don't often get stuff from her point of view. So having this chapter is nice. Uh, it was the same thing with, uh, we got, I think we got some of the stuff with her, uh, and the kids in oblivion. Um, it's just a, a nice look into her. Cause she, I feel like she's probably the least sketched out of blue team. Mm-hmm. Well, I um, think, yeah, oblivion had a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, Linda or mm-hmm. Kelly moments too. Yeah, I think so. I think probably Kelly and Linda Kelly were definitely Linda, yeah, yeah. The, the, the they were both I think underserved or underutilized um, mm-hmm. in the books going forward, and I think Denning has done a good job of bringing them up because yeah, I think I said in one of those things like yeah, like Linda shoots well and Kelly runs fast, and to me those were kind of always just meshed up. And even Fred was like uh, he's the funny one, um, and that's where I think. As someone who is not particularly a blue team fan, I think Denning has done a good job to endear them to me and make them more realized characters. Yeah. Um, so they they we get this basically this is inconsequential entire thing, except it's a character moment of uh like they argue, Chapoff's like, Well, we should go this way past this waterfall, uh, and dig our way out, but then we gotta run across it and it's a death trap, or do we keep on following this aqueduct even though it's taking us away from where we want to go? Uh and Linda's like I appreciate your input. We're going this way. <laughs> they're going to keep following Chief. Uh, and so in short order, they're they're tied back together, but not before we have this, this uh, the meeting of Blue Team and the Reach Settlers uh, leadership. Um, and we get, uh, we get, again, like uh, Chief's being a little too old and stubborn and crotchety. He's kind of annoyed that like, they don't follow. He's like, well, technically I'm not, sir. I'm a non-commissioned mm-hmm. officer. And they're like, what, whatever you're, you're the freaking master chief. <laughs> like what this, we are not standing on ceremony here. Like our rank insignia are linen. Like, come on guys. Well, I, th- I think the thing is, this is probably the first time chiefs actually had to deal with like irregulars. I, I don't remember him ever having to deal with that. So it's, it's kind of a unique situation. Yeah, it's not, it's something they've done more with, uh, like, we get him working with uh, the insurrectionists in collateral mm-hmm. damage, and we get a brief bit early on, uh, the opening of Oblivion is basically him working with the Irregulars, and they get trashed, because he's like, well, they're fighting hard, they're going to do great, but it's pointless, they're going to die, and he gets pissed off that basically like with the insurrectionists they leave them Mm -hmm. the unsc leaves them to dry uh which i i think you can argue ties into where he's so committed to making a stand it's like this is my home these people are fighting for it like i want to help them uh because we've let a lot of people die because it's not on the mission and um another little bit we get is like ocr on steroids because chief just likes looks at their map of reach and scoops it all up into his uh his uh, <laughs> Molinaire computer. Um, they fit a divisor with a scanner feature. Yeah, and they uh, so the colonists are gearing up because they think the banished are after them, and in reality, it's actually Linda. Um, and Chief's like, "You guys, you go up against the banished, you're gonna lose." Um, and arg- as I wrote down, arguments ensue because this is, uh, you know, this is an. I think even Denning does a good job, but these are my least favorite parts of any Halo book because inevitably it's civilians versus military or military 
branch one versus military branch two, mm-hmm. just arguing about strategy. Like it mostly just falls flat for me. It's not my favorite stuff. Um, it sometimes leads to good character moments. Mostly it's just like people arguing. I don't think it does a whole lot. Um, but we do get, uh, I mean, other than maybe setting up some of the background and trying to show the passion, that's probably what those section, these sections are foremost other than, you know, finding out that they actually have nukes. Yeah, that that's that's important. Uh we learn like part of the thing they bring up is like hey, reach is worth coming back to because there's still like a crazy amount of titanium and stuff here. Like that's how they're funding this basically. Like we can fix the world because there's stuff on the world we want. We learn chief learns from them that the keepers are involved with the banished. Um and that's when he first is like wait, maybe they aren't after what we're after because they've been trying to figure out like wait, how would they know how to get at this because they need our super biometric gloves Halsey gave us like this doesn't mm-hmm. make sense um and yeah and so like you said Baldassar wants to use a havoc because in like it's kind of like post-Soviet world out there the UNSC left the lunch of the Luke's uh, nukes lying around and <laughs> man those civilians want to blow someone up <laughs> um and at one point they're like basically well we're going to use it if we it's a suicide mission we're just going to use attack this place and get the banished to come into it and blow them up when they arrive. Um, which, as Cortana might say, it's not a very original plan, but we know it'll work because that's kind of what the UNSC has done in many a book. Yes. Um, and but, other uh, than the fact that it would be a big arrow to Cortana saying, hey, something's going on right here. Yeah, and that's that's that comes up. And uh, so partially because... Like they don't want them to all kill themselves, and nuking yourselves is gonna do it. At one point, he like Chief says, "You're gonna give everyone third degree burns, like within forty kilometers of this thing. It's it's gonna kill you." Uh, and then what are you gonna do? They can just blast you from the air anyhow. It's suicide. Um, and so partially because they want to help them, and partially because they need their assistance at this point anyhow, they decide let's not use nukes. We'll help you out. Um. And so uh, the the plan is that they're going to like basically dig under uh, uh, the armory this place has to capture it, and uh, the the affinity infinity, which has been basically like being incognito, and we'll we'll catch up with Lasky and company later on. They're going to help with it. So there's a, a timetable they have to hit uh, where they're going to drop off reinforcements. Um, and here we get mine gas, <laughs> which is surprising but also like hey this is geology you're going to hit a packet of bad air um especially because basically they have a bog under all this uh glass stuff where everything just rotted and turned into a bunch of methane and co2 um and so they basically have to literally punch their their way out um and they can't just dig into the sewers like they're gonna they just have to to go out uh they kill some uh jackals um and they're they're forced to basically tunnel directly into the the banished base um, we get a uh, more zonked out soldier humor. I mentioned again because mm-hmm. everyone's like hypoxic at this point, and they're like, hey, "Wait, I'm a person. I should be fighting." It's like, "No, don't do that." Um, so they pop into uh, New Mohach, maybe that's how you pronounce it, uh, on the ruins of Old Mohach, uh, and uh, we get the attack of the Spartans doing their splinter cell thing. Um, yeah. I mentioned, like, all right, maybe this is just 2,500 UNSC technology that suppressors are super quiet, but it's just one of those things where 
movies and TV all always treat suppressors on guns like they're just this little whisper. Yeah. Or a cough. That's not like, how they really are. <laughs> anyone who has fired a gun in real life and then fired a suppressor with that gun knows, yeah, not really. Um, but I, I still think this is a, a cool action sequence just because it's not something we've gotten. Uh, usually it's big, big yeah. dang heroics where they're blowing up like 3,000 grunts with mines. Uh, this is chief getting his splinter cell on his assassin's mm-hmm. creed and they're like lobbing dead grunts on rooftops so there aren't bodies left behind mm-hmm. uh basically like an erased against time to get as much stuff done before they're discovered just as a quick side note that's the kind of thing i'd actually love to see in infinite where you have to be sneaky stealth sections yeah i think yeah i think it it's definitely stealth has been a part of halo but it's always been a very underbaked mechanic and i think mm-hmm. i don't want it to be like oh, the guard is aware, like, the red cone is coming at it, but it would be cool if... They're, just like Halo 5 added some really cool stuff where mm-hmm. you could have branching ma- uh, mission paths where, like, well, you can help the colonists and get through this section, or you can not help them, and, and Sloan will yell at you and stuff, and it, right. it ties in. Um, it would be cool to have, like, what happens if I stealth through the section if no one mm-hmm. notices me? Um, that, I would definitely like that, too. And so they, they they eventually get discovered, but they've they've been like chucking C ten cubes, which is that's like the most science fiction thing. It's like always like, what do we have C four? Like just add a bunch of numbers to it. That's how you know it's a future explosive. Yes, C tens, C tens the same way. So, but then again, <laughs> if it works, why change yeah. it? It's just more so. Um, yes. And then the the militia ends up starting an assault when everything comes out, and we got this big battle scene uh, where they're trying to take out all the enemy armor. Uh, the Chapov has has basically dug these lines of trenches to basically the banished bash themselves against it, um, and and cause severe casualties. Uh, and uh, Chapov gets a compliment for his work and his initiative. Chiefs like that'll do, pig. Um, well, I think very happy. That's actually one of the interesting things about the book is the maturation of Chapov. You know, he goes from this hot shot that. Chief doesn't seem to have a lot of use for. To, yeah, he's he's to a valued member of his of the team. He's kind of annoyed by him, and he's more mm-hmm. concerned with how he might. Uh, yeah, you're right though. That he definitely has a character arc where he he basically, as we'll get to, basically like ages thirty years in like mm-hmm. two days, and has his grizzled, ancient uh, ending uh, <laughs> that we yeah, expected yeah. would go to Van Hoot or Van Hout. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. The hero but, hey, moment, yeah. Yeah, he gets his hero moment. And then uh, we zip up to Halsey uh, on the Infinity. And uh, this was, I think, because we've, uh, especially in like my the aforementioned Hope for Halsey piece we talked about, it's like, what do you do if you're Halsey? Like, you have regrets? Like, do you got regrets? She has a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But I like, it's a very Halsey way of talking about it that, yeah, she, she apparently is, uh, practices lucid dreaming to deal with the nightmares she has. That's the only way mm-hmm. she can get into good night's sleep, which like that tells you a lot about Halsey, like how much guilt she feels. And also of course she takes the scientist like approach to dealing with it. Um, and that I like that she, you get the sense that she probably would knowing what she knows now, she wouldn't have gone along with the Spartan program, but at the same time with Cortana's ascendancy, no, she has no regrets about Cortana at all. She's like, Cortana saved the universe. Yeah. 
this is just okay. Like, whatever. Like, you can get mad at me, but she saved the universe, which is an interesting, uh, which is totally in character for her. And oh, yeah. Like, she's right. She's being a dick about it, but she's right. Um, well, I mean, I, I've said this to a lot of people. I don't consider Halsey a good person at all. Oh, yeah. She's terrible. Uh, and, and, but do I think she's the worst person in the Halo universe? No. That I. I won't go into that one. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and, and I but, think, but, but I think that it is definitely in character for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I, I like you. I think that if knowing, knowing that if she knew then what she knew now, she probably would not have gone along with the Spartan two program because she yeah, had but, reservations then too. And I think, I think while Nyland generally does not, emphasize how terrible and fascist the UNSC is. I think even in Fall of Reach, he did a good job with explain, characterizing Halsey as, and then especially in Halsey's journal, she's the young hotshot who gets attention from the UNSC, UNSC. She's flattered. She's brilliant. She thinks she's amazing. And she decides, well, if I don't do this, they're just going to get someone else. And obviously I'm the best person for it. So I should be the one doing it. Um, well, I, yeah. And I also think that the UNSC kind of tricked her into into doing it too you know well and what's at that's some another, point yeah yeah that's, and at that's... some point like once she's into it mm-hmm. is she really going to get out right um and then how that matures to where she is in first strike where she's like i'm tired of sacrificing people and she's ready to wash her hands of it to where she is now um i think it's it's a great that's a great arc to her and you see where she is and to the point where in halo 5 she's pointing out like Cortana's doing this because she's like I did like when at that time I thought and the greater good beats everything else so do what you have to and now I don't agree with it the same way um it's a nice touch to see and I'd like that we get a little more shading with that how she reacts to uh Cortana's new role in the galaxy I think that this section I mean I've always thought Halsey was probably no not probably Halsey is the best character i've come across in gaming period end of story uh any any game any npc i have yet to come across one that is in depth or as complex as halsey and and this section just further cements it to me so i think that would be hard for me just because so much comes from the supplemental stuff but you're Mm -hmm. i would definitely she's definitely an amazing character i think definitely one of the top in right up there with cortana and chief as the best characters in in halo and ones that make it what it right. is versus any other sci-fi franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Halsey is Halsey. So she's going to confront Palmer and Lasky uh, who are worried about, like we said, that anything that will set off Cortana is bad. And we're just going to have to bug out and leave them if it comes to it, because it's not worth losing infinity. Uh, there's a, a more bickering commences. Uh, <laughs> the aforementioned bickering that comes up to this stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. But we get a, uh, uh, some good character stuff out of this, like uh, Halsey being a, a dick, but once again, kind of justified because she's, she's making fun of the fact that Palmer tried to kill her. <laughs> uh, uh, Palmer, meanwhile, is like, well, I don't really trust Chief just because he went AWOL once before, um, and she's definitely a by-the-book Spartan. Um, but she's still going to she's still gonna drop because she might be by-the-book, but she never is going to put other people in harm's way when she can jump in, too. Right. So, so she's going to drop down with a bunch of ODSTs and Spartans. Um, 
Reach's moons get named, which I did not write down, and I do not know if this had actually come up before, but it was new to me. Um, there are two moons that you see in all the skyboxes. They get names, which is nice. Yeah, I don't remember them getting names before either, so... <laughs> Um, and then we uh, cut back to the planet where Blue Team is awaiting the inevitable counterattack uh, from the Banished. Um, they do some sneaky tactics in the rear before falling back. Um, and here we have bits about, like, I mean, he's it's October 12th now, so it's been a, a day or two. Uh, and he's healed up more than any human, but he's he's running slower. He's got to make sure he doesn't aggravate his injury more because then he's slowing down his team and that could be disastrous. And uh, we get... Like we were talking about this, he has a moment where he's thinking about Chapov and like the the young buck, and he's thinking about his legacy, which I liked. Uh, Chapov and Dizzle meet, and they're like, "Hey, wow, you're so cool." And there's that that flicker of like, "Hey, we should get a drink sometime," mm-hmm. which of course dooms one of them <laughs> yeah. by the laws of story almost immediately. Yeah, um, pretty much. The one thing I've always I really loved with Ditzel and her part is. Here's someone who's just a normal human who is an excellent driver, but still is able to stun and in some ways scare Spartans just with their driving. You know, it's like, I just found it very humorous to me. She wasn't mentioned a lot, but. Yeah. And it was not mentioned, but I I just put an Australian accent on her in my head. (laughs) Like, you want to drive and it's going to do some Mad Max stuff. Um but the the banished air support arrives uh to drop straight into the city um and i like here that uh the second command erdai uh erdai basically like freezes up he's like all right well the unsc was supposed to drop guys we're doomed uh i want he's getting new cappy uh, mm-hmm. so chief like has some random subordinate like hey you got to get this stuff done or it's not going to get done uh and then Blue team, like, all right, we're going to deploy the Havoc if it comes to it. You guys get the hell out of here. And the, the Banished take out the AA guns. The the bombers are in position. They destroy a bunch of them, but there's going to be the second wave. And here's where I mentioned, like, that uh, Distal serves as Chief's Warheart Driver. And, man, he does a lot better than Cat. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing I noticed was that I think this is, again, like, if we've gotten it before, I've never heard it mentioned, uh, the, the, the bombers deploy countermeasures. Uh, they're they're shooting out chaff or space chaff, whatever, to to try and fool the the guns, which doesn't work. But uh, it was an interesting touch. Um, and in general, there's there's definitely a a streak of like Top Gun modern fighter combat in this entire book because we get a oh, lot yeah. of we don't get much atmospheric stuff in Halo generally. That's not just you know game banshees yeah. versus ospreys or whatever. Um, so that was an interesting touch, and it definitely I can see where it might feel a little too present, but at the same time, it uh, it makes it more grounded and more technical and stuff like that. I, I think also it was a it was something it was a nice little change. It was something new to add that we haven't really seen other than in Halo Reach, which is actually the last time we've seen that kind of space combat. Uh, <clears throat> so so then we get this kind of goofy scene where they're like, all right, we're gonna nuke the thing. And we're going to jump onto a phantom. So they have Distal jump into a phantom's hangar. Uh, and then almost immediately they get news that, hey, the UNSC has launched missiles at your position. So they have to jump out of the phantom. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, oh, that's not, not, not fun. Uh, 
and Distol gets him out, but then she dies. Yeah. And I did have in my notes, finally, because at this point it had been remarkably bloodless. I'm like, all right, somebody has to die here. Mm-hmm. Come on. Um, but yeah, she just gets out. Um, but we get a nice, we get a nice moment where like later on, like uh, Palmer is like, who was that? Like somebody died. Like, yeah, probably died, died a heroic death, but it's, it is what it is. You got to move on and remember him. Um, I, I do kind of wish there would have been a little bit more of a moment with uh, like um, in the flood with uh, Mubotu. Yeah, Mubotu, the, the sergeant yeah. who nearly gets through the library as a human being. Yeah. And he's like, you were one hell of a son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I like that. And I think they have points here where like chiefs, like, I mean, they're going to lose, but you got to admire the, the colonists fighting right. like they do. Um, they, they definitely, Denning, he has the the UNSC are pretty damn competent, uh, but he doesn't let uh, them outshine the other humans. I think, and uh, we also get in another like people blue team is angry. Kelly just triple taps some skirmishers they've already killed for the hell of it. She just drives back and forth over <laughs> them, like. On one hand, like, uh, you think the Spartans would have a little more discipline than that. On the other hand, you're like, yeah, I get that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, like I said, it's it's putting a little bit more of a human face to them. Maybe mm-hmm. it might be a little extreme. Um, but, but, yeah. Are I mean, they the machine or are they human? Yeah, that kind of thing. But Yeah, and uh, the Spartan fours finally arrive. Uh, here comes the cavalry. Uh, Chief Reese Palmer. They talk about stuff, um, and you get the sense, like, yeah, Palmer's not really sure she can totally trust Chief, but she knows he's a soldier, get the job done, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a lot of mutual respect. Um, we get mentions of new fire teams, uh, which I had to look up and see, like, did we know these people before? Um, but it's fire team Taurus and Intrepid, and the only thing I know is that fire team Taurus has a Mega Bloks set, so <laughs> they exist in toy form. Yeah. I, I will admit I was kind of disappointed we didn't see Crimson and Majestic or yeah, what was I, left of Majestic. Say, <laughs> but. Yeah, that was the – and actually one of the – that felt like a missed opportunity. And the only other thing that I felt like a missed opportunity returning to Reach was that they, they mentioned specifically that Chief had been to Reach a couple times before. Mm-hmm. Which felt a little kind of weird, but also I wish they had mentioned uh, specifically the fact that they came back uh, for the frame tale around the Fall of Reach uh, right. animated series. Because they have them sort of coming back to remember the Fallen Spartans in that uh, around the Halo 5 time, post-Halo 4. Mm-hmm. Sort of been nice to have that mentioned, but I get you can't have every single uh, mention in here. But the, So they don't have to steal. After all this time of trying to steal a Covenant vehicle, they get a Pelican. So they don't have to do that to they get a castle base. Um, and uh, they get patched up a little. John is, is wary because he knows the keepers are around. Um, and they see a Covenant, or sorry, banished Corvette uh, heading to the mountains. And that's Asharam. So after what has been a very long chunk of this book, we finally go back to Castor. And here, the, the big uh, news here is that... Uh, we learn basically Castor's been going through everything he's been going through basically on the will of the Oracle who, uh, once again, I don't know if it's entirely said in this book, but it's intrepid eye from uh, halo last light and falling through. So that's another 
there's this Machiavellian foreigner AI out there just subtly tweaking things behind mm-hmm. the scenes, and she's still apparently in play. And doesn't get totally resolved, but as we're going to find out, basically, she's manipulating the keepers. And so it'll be interesting to see if that pays off, where that pays off. Yeah, because uh, I'll admit, I had kind of forgotten about Intrepid Eye. But I remember that she, one of the things she had really wanted to do is test the humans. Mm-hmm. And it's just this, it makes me wonder, you know, how much of this whole thing is Intrepid Eye behind the scenes. So Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, in, in the greater, in the in the not just here, but in the greater occurrences in Halo, in the Halo universe, right now. Well, to me, the thing with Intrepid Eyes, she's basically the assembly, except done better. Um, <laughs> I think the assembly was a terrible idea, and I'm glad it's it's never really going to be addressed. Um, they didn't like three four three basically like put something out like, yeah, this weird stuff we found on Reach. Who knows if it's true or not. Um, because there's, there's interesting stuff in there. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, uh, that's where you get the idea, basically, that like the grave mind could be, uh, his intelligence could be housed in slip space, and that's, that explains how it, it's basically permanent and continuous even after you kill a grave mind. Um, and that, that could be the way that AIs live forever. There's there's interesting stuff in there, but yeah, um, and it ties into Halsey's journal, but to me, the whole AI's engineered human covenant contact is just bad. Um, but here I think it, it works better because yeah, it's one, one foreigner AI who's messing around behind the scenes and she's got her own objectives. Um, but it ties in much more directly to, to what's going on. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel. Um, the other, the other interesting thing here we get, um, from Gagodai, uh, is that the Sengheili live a lot longer than brutes. Um, and I guess it's not clear whether it's just cause brutes kind of, they live hard and kill each other off with frightening regularity, but they, he mentions that like uh, 80 or 90 is really old to a brute. Mm. Um, he's surprised to hear how old Gagodai is. Um, but so Asharam and Castor meet, and uh, Asharam's kind of pissed. They're like, hey, we gave you this. You said you had this great plan, and it hasn't led us to, to capturing these, these enemies. Um, what the hell? Uh, and this is where you see how that, that uh, relationship has changed between... Yeah, Castor and Gagodai, because Gagodai actually goes to bat for Castor, and he's he's surprised. And uh, they 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 figure out though once they see where the Chief's Pelican's going, they're like, all right, well we know the location of the portal now, um, right? So we don't have to keep him alive; we can go kill him. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And like that, basically the next chapter, the blue team realizes, hey, they actually might be trying to kill us now. Oh yeah. And so like us. Like I said, this is where we get an aerial dogfight, which is is not really common in in Halo. Mm-hmm. Um, between all the broadswords, there's lots of explanations of like, well, the broadswords only have this much fuel, so they can only support you for this long. I guess the, the something else I saw from people talking about how this ties in infinite is the overall the they don't, are not without casualties, but the the UNSC pretty much wipes the floor with the banished in this. Um, well, in a way, that makes sense though, because if you because you have to remember the banished, all their stuff is like hodgepodge thrown together. You know, it, it's it's you know, and kind of and held presumably together. Presumably, they they might have Atriox might have taken the best stuff with him, etc. Correct. So, um, you know, and the Infinity, you know, still houses top of the least top of the line stuff at the at the time. So, 
and, and they're, they're carrying four frigates on them basically and and yeah. part of the only reason uh, they don't get blown out of the sky is because they're afraid infinity is afraid that might uh alert cortana earlier mm-hmm. so the we get some uh canyoneering to evade the 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 enemies the pelican does some this is podcasting whippy stuff um and then they crash into highlands the multiplayer map uh one of at least two clear uh references to the multiplayer maps which i like uh Mm because obviously multiplayer maps they're multiplayer maps but it's nice when they've got a fiction uh to tie them in or to to as in one case invent uh more of an explanation for them um and yeah obviously this comes into the character because this is where the spartans were trained uh they they literally find the training bell from the fall of reach uh from like their first exercise yeah, that that part is I don't know when I read that and I'm like that was the part that I had like stopped and reread like two or three times the first time through. I'm like or I'm like they found the bell. I mean, for whatever reason that was just so cool. Um and and so there there there, there, there yeah, that's the thing. It felt like the, 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 there was a fan service passed under this book and then when they finished the fan service pass, they did another one. And there, there, there's almost too much fan service things in this for Reach-related stuff. It, it feels like they went overboard. I know it's like little nods here and there, but there's too many. Too many little nods, maybe. Is that, is that a bad thing to complain about? Nah. Well, I mean, that's no. it's the the question of how much fan service is too yeah. much. It's always a question. Um, well, well, I think I, I appreciated that it came up just because we actually got a mention of Sam. Which is like justified. Like, hey, remember that guy who was Master Chief's best friend who died early on? Uh, Denning has not forgotten about him, uh, and it was nice to have him brought up. It's yeah. I think the other thing is though that um, I mean, three four three's kind of been playing pretty heavy on the nostalgia, at least with what we've seen from Infinite. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I personally liked it, but then again, like I said, Fall of Reach is my favorite novel, so I like the callbacks, but I can totally understand when you're saying that there's a lot there and it, for it, it kind of teeters a little bit on maybe being too much. Yeah. Um, But I mean, if if it was not clear that this was going to have a lot of fall of reach fan service, the cover is a literal updated recreation of the fall of reach cover. Um, So maybe we should have all known that was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But so they, they head out to, castle base but chapov does not make it uh he gets his his grizzled ancient johnson slash i'm gonna make it count leave me with a rocket launcher because uh, he's been like impaled by shrapnel or whatever happens to you um and he gets to like kill scratch two or three banshees off screen um so he, he gets to go out with a bang um so he gets to like like i said he gets his like 30 year soldier arc here from like callow youth to I was two days from retirement thing. Um but they uh they, they reach Castle Base or the the pat the pit that leads up to it. Um which again like they, they talk about like yeah they they leveled it and then no one like cleaned it up so it's just like filled up with shale and, and crud. Um but the keepers are are clearing it with a, a I like this they basically are using grav lifts to to kick stuff out, which felt to me like a very Halo Forge thing. It's like not something we normally see, and like even the chiefs, like, well, that's that's a new use of grav lifts. Um, but it was, it was so that was nice. 
Um, but of course there's like thousands of troops, uh, and a Corvette in their way. Uh, so the, the, the broadswords have to launch an attack, uh, the blue team uses target designators to clear out the armor. Um, they're followed by long swords, which I was happy to see because long swords are better than broadswords. Like broadswords are just normal fighter jets. Long swords look futuristic and cool. <laughs> like, I, they say like, well, they're not really atmospheric fighters, but they're cooler. All right. Yes. Like, more long swords, please. Um, and uh, another in the like possible Halo Infinite stuff is we get like a like some sort of new red colored plasma launcher thing which they do not describe the actual name of but i assume it might come up there was there was definitely a few halo infinite drops in this book as you're going through it's like oh the grapple hook oh yeah nice okay keep going yeah and i i think on the the plus side uh if we're talking about like fan service or like stuff that has to get checked off the the halo infinite stuff definitely feels less intrusive than it did in like say Karen Travis because it's mostly just like weapons and stuff coming up in the banished instead of like all right well we need to hit these next three plot points for Halo 4 so you need to figure out some way of fitting them in mm. um, I didn't like at the start whenever uh, the folks are trying to identify which which enemy groups are are about and it's like when we would banished and I don't know I, I, it felt unearned at the start of the book this our reputational thing with the banished and uh, the sort of patience yeah it's it. it's always going to be like I mean, I think they did as good a job as they could have, like, retconning the Banished in, but there's always, you're right, there's always going to be this little weird, like, I would appreciate even if, like, the chief was been like, well, I've never dealt with them, but, like, Blue Team has yeah. had some, like, something, just, like, because, yeah, we know, like, we're following Chief around most of the time, so that's, like, the best explanation you can give. Like, well, he never fought him, so, you know, it's just one of those things. You have to, like, all right, they had to introduce an enemy, like... Just fit them in there. Just you gotta move past it. And it was a good opportunity. That they had to show the scale of the of the war efforts. You know what I mean. Even in passing, they mm-hmm. could have mentioned of the fact that the chief is just one dude in a literal galaxy full of hell going on. But nah, nothing. Yeah, I mean it's tough because it is a master chief story. So it's, <laughs> they've 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 widened three four three has widened the concept the scope a lot, but fans want well, master chief and by god they're doubling down on it yeah well then the other thing is i think they really want to try to keep from making the book required reading mm-hmm. oh yeah so i mean and 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 that's a that's a ta- that can be a tall order as yeah, we yeah. saw in halo 4 to an extent and that's that's so. i think the reason they went all maltese falcon with uh halsey's flash clones and never explained it because like yeah then you have to explain like what like they you just like all you need to know is Halsey's since it's some bad juju and like that's why we're here it's supposed to win us the war and like just move on like we're not going to yeah. try and get into all this but the thing is i i that's that's one of the issues i had with the story uh in general actually is the fact that it's another katana mcguffin it's you know i mean whenever you're thrust into a story it's like no they have to get this very important thing to save the everything it's like for sake, come on I've just started this book to be fair this is the evolution of the the classic the like Ur Halo story because instead of getting the Forerunner MacGuffin that we end up having to destroy because the Covenant will get it, instead we've got the human MacGuffin. I'm sick of MacGuffin chases, damn it! <laughs> Halo and idea people stop MacGuffin names and things. That's yeah, just part of storytelling, Danny. Rage gets the dying of the light. All right, um, so Chief heads into the shaft, um, and at this point. Like finally, blue team realizes. Wait, they're they're not after castle base at all because they've dug a hole past castle base down to the foreigner thing, 
And of course, like, well, that's not good because <laughs> foreigner stuff like eh, who knows about that. Um, and the, so this is the reason why Gen 3 doesn't have thrusters, as we discussed, because like otherwise you can have this weird thing where like they basically have to like play around rappelling down and then Chief loses his his line and he has to like float around in the, the grav lift. Uh, he plays a game with chicken with a brute um, at the castle base entrance, um, which is delightful. Uh, and then as John is will want to do, he falls from a great height and gets his armor locked up. Uh, and the blue team basically has to come and save him. Um, and uh, this actually is a nice little scene because usually we don't have uh, the jackal of the Kigiar doing much, let alone talking to humans. But uh, we get a jackal who thinks he's a total badass walking up to a chief and trying to interrogate him. Um, and he, of course, dies for his trouble. But it's a nice... Uh, More like moments like that, second, please. Uh... More moments like that. <laughs> yeah. I just, he's like, I'm, I, this is great. I'm going to like figure out what you're after here. And just he basically kills him really quickly after that. But... Um, so yeah, that that whole sequence leaves blue team in even rougher shape. <laughs> um, but they once again they're like, well, whatever the banished are after, we've got our mission. So they enter a uh, castle base proper, um, and the the UNSC we learn has won the day on the surface. They're they're sending uh, Fred and company down to see maybe we can figure out what the banished are after while blue team's doing their thing. Um, and then we get the the random spookiness because uh, they enter they enter Halsey's lab and then they spot something uh, ooh. uh kelly has these the spoofer gloves because we figured out that they had these special biometric stuff to to spoof halsey because otherwise there's a fail safe and it'll blow everything up so they have to to use this and uh the, we get a last little bit of uh kalmaya or kalmaya uh from the fall of reach who was basically cortana's older sister um and who I was about to get upset because, like, oh, man, how did she survive this? But as it's just basically an echo, like a, a subroutine that she left behind. Um, not really a smart AI who was left as a, a failsafe for Halsey's lab. Uh, but she gets, like, a little bit of existential angst about, like, well, what am I? Like, what am I doing? Like, why would you kill me? That doesn't seem fair. Uh, and then they just shut her down with uh, Halsey's old code of whatever it takes, which... I, I feel like it's a bad override code because someone's going to say that that like comes up in natural. It's not giraffe battery staple. Like that's a bad trigger phrase. Someone could say iridium. I, I don't know. It, it seems suitable for somebody who likes to test on children. Like it's like, yeah, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but people are going to like, you're working in Oni, whatever it takes is going to come up in phrases. a lot. <laughs> Just saying like, Especially Halsey, really thought that. yeah. Um, but yeah, we get that little ghost Kalmaya, which is once again like, is that too much fan service? It's weird, but it's it's over quickly, um, and they basically have to to they get the the intel, but they have to like climb out of this ruined lab, and where it's like, um, well, either we're both getting out of here because there's like this piece of debris they have to get past by like cantilevering it, or no one's getting out. And meanwhile, Fred is spying on the keepers, and uh, a wild Veda Lopus appears, and this is where I was like, oh right, the they mentioned the the humans where they described one as mom and it was like oh of course it's ferret team i totally mm-hmm. missed that so that was for me was, that was a great reveal a denning verse deep cut come back uh and lopez gives him a message and then fires at him to maintain his cover so they don't they don't really get a a moment uh but they get a message as we find out later uh, and uh caster meanwhile is in what is clearly the Hang'em High slash High Noon uh, multiplayer map. 
which is a great little touch because in the the remake of Hang 'em High, they have this giant portal in the background, and that turns out to be what they've been after this entire time: the slip space portal that they will use to bring uh, uh, Atriox oh. back from the Ark. To be fair, it was really fucking smart. That, that, that shit took planning. They, they put that in there in that way. <laughs> and I really appreciate that. It shows you that people really do care about background details and stuff. You know? So, really, really yeah. awesome. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, so they, they activate the portal. Um, and then the banished arrive. So, uh, we got a bunch of names. So, like, Zeratus, Charo, Ratum, Balkaris, maybe those guys. Like, that, to me, I put in the notes, like, hey, maybe these are guys are going to be, like, the, the open world bosses that we're going to kill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very Destiny, too. That is not you to kill the bosses before you finish the story <laughs> kind of thing. It's like, okay. Yeah, it definitely had some Zeratus, uh, or Destiny 2 bosses. Um, And then Atriox has entered the chat. And, uh... He's kind of being a dick because he's basically going to leave the banished on the Ark to their own devices. Um, and considering we killed off like all his, well, I guess there's a. Well, we sawed his uh, one CAS carrier in half with it. Yeah, but and, I guess uh, I guess let uh, the the former owner of that carrier is still there, so maybe he's the one in charge. But we killed off a lot of his other lieutenants. So, mm-hmm. uh, but he's clearly, obviously, you know, whatever is is it's important if he's leaving the Ark. To, to come get stuff um he he gets a greater purpose line so we're left wondering what exactly that'll be um and then this is the the nice twist because caster's dead set on going to the ark because once again he's a religious zealot um and he basically gets gagudai to join him because gagudai like he can't Atriox is like all right we'll kill him and like well there's no way you're stopping us from not getting on that lich and heading to the Ark. And he Gagadai's like, well, that's a suicide mission, but it's either I join you or I get killed because I, I'm going to not kill you to, to satisfy Atriox. Um, so the erstwhile new best friends uh, and ferret team and everybody else jump on into the Ark um, where Atriox is like, you guys are going to get killed because they're still banished there. Um, but obviously the spirit of fire is there. So, uh, maybe the Spirit of Fire and Ferret team meet up in Halo Wars 3 or something. It's, uh, it's a possibility. Veda Lopez is one of the new uh, leaders for the Spirit of Fire. Yeah, that would be super cool. I like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the, yeah. the relationship with her and Fred. Um, and I like that this could be the end of Caster and the Keepers of the One Freedom, and I feel like it's a good enough end because he's like, well, yeah, if we die, like, okay, that's just the beginning of the great journey. He's He's... Mm-hmm. He's happy as a clam, basically. That he's well, it, it's he a better end than a certain someone got a certain video game opening, certain someone hand hand. <laughs> yes. Remember, Jewel. R.I.P. Um, they didn't. <laughs> no, they remembered him. They just dealt with him really quickly. Uh, so maybe Caster dies in the first. Well, all right. So who do you think got done dirtier, Jewel or, uh, God, what's his name? Telcam. Who just Ooh. got killed in a a Ooh. wordless? Yeah, no, no, not a not a wordless comic. A a comic that was aside wordless except for uh, wort. I think it's like the only word in there, one or two words I, or something. I'd probably still say Joel actually, because you know he, he was being he got built up so much. Yeah, I think it like, was yeah really? how they positioned him and and the expanded stuff and led 
people who followed that to have certain expectations, <laughs> which were never ever going to be followed up with. So yeah, I mean, I get, I get, like he lived as he died in cutscenes, but uh, or died as he lived, but it definitely. I think my issue with that was not that he was killed, but that he just killed, died in a cutscene to uh-huh. show off how cool. Whereas, like, yeah. if you have us do it, it's more satisfying, and you still show that Osiris is cool and kills people. Yeah. Um, Could we maybe the fact have, that they had they, one less warden fight and had him as a boss? You know, maybe. Oh, you mean more warden fights? I don't know what you're talking about. No, 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 no. More warden fights, 2020. The yep. platform everyone get behind. Um, I had to remember. It took me an hour to remember how to bypass the last warden fight with the three of them when I was oh, yeah, doing the run through Halo Four. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. If they had killed him off in gameplay, that'd have been better. Especially since he kind of goes out like a chump. Like, there's not really a no one. It doesn't seem like they break a sweat, and that doesn't feel as cool so much as just right. disappointing. Like. Come on, you got. We saw all those cool flips and shit you did in the the first one. Why couldn't you have it harder? Here it was kind of lame. We aren't here to litigate the past again. We're here to talk about the future. Um, and basically, uh, Gagadai and Castor and and the keepers all get their wish because uh, everyone realizes, hey, when you activate a giant foreigner installation, that's going to draw Cortana to you. So let's get the hell out. Um. And the, the UNSC prepares to bug out, but ultimately um, a few people do get marooned because they aren't able to exfiltrate before uh, Halsey, or Lasky's like, we got to get out of here before the they see the neutrino emissions or whatever mm-hmm. of the Guardian arriving in the system, uh, and they have to get out of there. So there's some unfortunate guys who get marooned, but I guess they can hook up with the settlers and rebuild Reach. Um there's, that that still had some hope in there because of yeah. that. And I think that was – I mean, for me, it was like, okay, it's an understandable thing. It's like you can't get everybody out because there was just too many people to try to get out. Well, it's it's more – it's less dire than uh, – mm-hmm. what's her name? Helena or whoever on uh, Meridian that basically is left like as everyone leaves the planet and gets nuked. Uh, and then she has a short story where it doesn't really – she survives, but it's still up in the air about what happens to her. So, oh yeah, the, the I mean the I think the idea is they're going to be ruined for possibly years, but they're going to be okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Veronica Dare shows up for we. You thought we were going to get through this entire entire book without an Oni spook, but here she shows up at the last minute. Um, and she gets the uh, the intel from the ferret team, uh, and we learn that Fred got a special message from Lopez. We don't know what it is, uh, but he gets to keep that little bit. Uh, Dare doesn't need it. Uh, it was nice. And uh, Halsey arrives, and she, here we get another little character moment because she's she has never apparently seen. Well, which I was like, well, but she did like resurrect Linda from the dead, uh, but otherwise she's still very much affected by the fact that blue team's beaten up to hell. Uh, and uh, that's it, which felt like a kind of quick end, but um, I mean, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, so it's like, yeah. And, and now what? And, and, and then what happened? <laughs> We're going to find out. Uh, the McEffin wasn't the point. So, uh, and, it just ends. and hopefully the next novel. So, yeah. So, um, and I, uh, yeah, that definitely leaves the question of is Cortana's uh, sister clones, whatever, going to come into Halo Infinite? Is that going to be maybe what 
relates to the AI capture thing we've seen in the Deliver Hope trailer, etc. It does leave the question of is a charm is it doesn't seem likely, I think, given what happens here, that Atriox is gonna be dead by the time we get to Infinite, that he's maybe he's off doing something, or maybe he's just like the shadowy big bad that we're gonna deal with Asharam half the time and then Atriox shows up, but I don't feel like they're gonna kill him. Unless it's like he dies in the climactic opening battle and we find that out later on. I don't think he's he's mm-hmm. done with. Um which I, I, I really like. hope I really hope they don't kill Atriox. He's too good of a of an adversary. Um, yeah, and I think the my main complaint with Halo Wars, as I talked about in the, the review of it, which you can find on YouTube or on Fordunterdon.com, shameless plug, uh, was that there was sadly not as much as Atriox was a compelling villain. There just wasn't we got more out of the know your enemy like joke commercials for the game than we did interplay with him and Cutter in the game. And I want Atriox to get that time. Um I think what they're doing with the Sharam is like he's looking for this like fighting the Master Chief as this one final rocky battle to to greatness is a cool dynamic, but I want to see Atriox have that with some people too. So I hope, yeah, he doesn't go away. The one thing Halo has suffered from for a long time now is a, a big threat. They keep moving the goalposts about the the, the the state of the pending threat to the galaxy, as it were. So I'm not really sure. I'm not convinced because, you know what I mean? It's like a, it's another big bad guy potentially. Oh, God, is this going to be like another guild moment for us? Or I don't know whether or not they care, you know what I mean? That's where I'm hopeful that this book is something of a template for where they're going, because I know there's the people who don't like the created story arc period are like, well, I hope Infinite wraps it up. And I feel like, to me, if they just wrap everything up in a neat bow after one game, depending on how it's done, obviously, that would feel pointless and inconsequential, Like especially since we've had this skip of time where it's been. So I hope with them introducing the Banished. Well, don't forget and... as well, like, Infinite is supposed to be like a soft reboot, but you can't soft reboot without wrapping up all the other shit that you, you pulled everyone else through yeah. for the past couple of effecting games, you know what I mean? So it's... Yeah. I'm so not, it's, I'm not it's happy a... or excited right now with what they're doing. That's the thing. You know what I mean? Like, they have this universe that they've been updating now since since Halo 4. They've had full control over where it goes in the state of things. And this is it. Is this the the ultimate setup for for the Halo universe right now? I don't know. I think mm. I think it's solid in that. I hope that they're following this template um, for Shadows of Reach in that we get movement on the Cortana arc, but that they allow it to be this thing that is influencing everything else. Um, but we don't necessarily deal with her directly. She's like this shadowy threat, Voldemort kind of thing. And yeah, we're yeah. having this more localized thing with the banished that we've got the battle here and it's feeding into the bigger thing. That's my hope. We'll see. Obviously we could it's shocking to think that we could have been playing halo right now and this would all be moot, <laughs> but hell yeah. And instead we enter the winter of our discontent. Yes. Well, I think one of the things is I think, and this is something I said uh, to other to friends of mine, it's like what I want three four three to do is pick a path and go with it, and it seems like they have at least they started that with four, they did they reversed it in five, and now they're 
they've kind of yeah. changed it again. Um, I'm hoping that this is the path that they choose. Just run with it. If you you know you want to you know if you want to just have the created as this overarching that maybe gets touched on here and there and the 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 that storyline slowly progresses, great, fine. I I'd, I'd be fine with that. You know, I think that you know some of the writers that they have have done a pretty good job with that. Um, and have us deal with the banished as a more immediate thing. I like I said, I'm just you know I have to see it, uh, yeah. but I'm that's what I'm hoping I see. It's it's weird. I think it's the anti gamer stance of like how we people think, but that one of their problems is that they've just been too reactive to feedback instead of like, well, I'll take that advice and we'll see. Instead, they're like, well, these people said this, so we got to like reverse this. And I I hope that like the same thing with like because like after Halo Five, Frank O'Connor was talking about like, well, like is Cortana's not really evil? Like, and we didn't make her just evil. And I would argue that yeah, it's that she's sort of like an inversion of Halsey, et cetera. Like that she's not, she's definitely evil in the sense of like what she's doing is terrible and she's ignoring the collateral costs and stuff. But if they just make her evil, then you've wasted that. And like that sort of like being, well, everyone thinks she's evil. So we just got to lean into that. Like that's, that's concerning. And like everyone, like the banished, like make the banished the big bad. I just hope that they, they, they integrate that and don't, don't, uh, take the criticism too far because yeah, at the end of the day, like a, as we've seen with star Wars, uh, a creative vision that's followed through is better than trying to, to just go back and see what the try and please what you think the fans want. That's a, I don't know if that's a low blow or not. I, I have, I have faith. Um, and we'll, we'll see what we get with the extra time and we'll see. Yeah. I think overall, I like this book. Um, I think it, it does a good job of being its own thing, tying up perhaps with too much fan service, but tying together a lot of old threads, uh, finishing up old threads uh, satisfactorily and uh, giving suggestions. I think it, it for serving as sort of like a first strike book as we're, we're setting up things with its own story, but we're also bridging the gap to try and set up uh, the next game. I think it does its job well. Um, and obviously, uh, People like Denning. It's actually uh, Denning noted that this uh, reached the USA Today uh, bestseller list, which, from what I've seen, is the first Halo book to crack a bestseller list since uh, Silentium back in that day. So it's it's been a while, um, and I think that is indicative of people excited about Halo, um, which is great. I was going to say that might be a, a bigger trend rather than a. You know what I mean? A bigger trend for well, the, yeah, not, the not specifically the, the book. and, and all yeah. the rest of it going together and the toys and stuff. It has a an impact on people's interest in general. Yeah, and uh, but that's good, and I'm hopeful that the delay makes people happy. I mean, it, all right, obviously it won't make people happy, but reasonable people being happy, uh, I'm hopeful for it. Um, and uh, yeah, anything else you want to say about the book before we close out? I mean, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I think, like I said, it, it, it closed some questions out. There are still some that are there. I think there's still room for um, more stories in the Halo Wars uh, lane of it. Um, maybe with some with the keepers as a as a new um, adversary. Um, 
I really enjoyed it um, as novel. Like you said, there's there's a lot of callbacks and fan service, maybe a little too much, but uh, overall, I just I enjoyed it. It was an enjoyable read, and uh, for the lore nerd in me, I it, there were a lot of things that's like, oh, that's okay, you know. So yeah, but hopefully, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have content out before Halo Infinite, but hopefully we'll we'll hear more non microtransaction stuff soon. Well, to be fair, they're running out of Master Chief Collection stuff. They've milk like they've got Halo Four pretty much done at this point. They still have the Halo Five PC port they surprise announce, and then they're done with excuses. They have to start doing new stuff. So hopefully, hopefully get a flight <laughs> yeah, out for be. Infinite or something. Something they can must done. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll be hopeful. We'll see. Um, all right, so that that wraps it up uh, this week. Uh, I'd like to thank Pens for joining us. No, oh, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, show notes and links for this episode, the stuff we talked about, um, as well as articles and more, can be found on our website, forintodown.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast by iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Uh, you can check out our videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash forward unto dawn or follow us on Twitter for updates to all our content uh, by following the handle forward dawn because some jerkle took forward unto dawn and like has not tweeted in four years. and We can't take it. Thanks, Twitter. So thanks for listening, everyone, and see you next time.